You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning. Good morning. It is really good to see you here today. <coughs> Welcome back. We were off last Sunday, so it's really good to see you all here. I would like to say I hope you had a good summer. Weather-wise, it's been a bit of a washout, really, hasn't it? So that's it sounds like if you've looked at the weather, the summer's actually going to start next week, which is typical because that's when the schools go back. So when Tammy and I are preaching over the next few months, we're going to be looking at encounters with God and how people who had those encounters were affected and changed by them. I want you to imagine the scene, if you can, the coronation procession of King Charles. Masses lining the street. You can hear the noise of the crowd starting to get louder and the cheering and the clapping gets louder and louder. But you can't see a thing. Then you spot some of those industrial bins and you decide to climb on top to see over the crowds. Perfect! You can now see clearly. The cavalcade is approaching, but it appears to be slowing down, which it does, and it stops right next to you. Security guards rush out and open the door, and out steps King Charles. You can't believe it. What an amazing view. There he is. Then he walks towards where you are in the crowd. He then stops and looks directly at you. (coughs) And he says, Randall, Tammy, Paul, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now imagine how you would feel if King Charles, amongst all of that, stopped and asked you those words. I must stay at your house today. Well, in case you haven't spotted it yet, and there's probably no surprise, today we are looking at Zacchaeus's encounter with Jesus. And if you don't know the story of Zacchaeus, Hopefully you will by the end of today. I only remember going to Sunday school once as a child. And it was a Methodist church in Heatherset, just up the road, where I was raised as a kid. Um, My parents didn't go to church. I didn't go to church. Someone clearly did. One of our neighbours, I think, ran the Sunday school and clearly thought it would be a good idea if we went I can't really say how old I was. I really have no idea. If I was to do a height survey, it would be somewhere around here. The funny thing was, though, the story was that of Zacchaeus. Now, even more, being honest, I can't really recall anything about it. The only thing I do remember is it referenced a man in a tree who was invited to come home for tea. And that was all I can remember. But isn't it interesting that I went once and I remembered Zacchaeus up in the tree. Now, if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. 
I appreciate that may be quite small on the screen, but if you can follow it, that's what we're reading together. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, called Zacchaeus the Tax Collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So what do we know about Zacchaeus? One Bible name commentary says Zacchaeus's name means pure. But he clearly wasn't living up to his name because that was the last thing the Jews called him. The Jews simply named him or labelled him sinner in verse 7. Sinner. But why did they call him a sinner? Well, he was a Jew working as a tax collector for the Romans. And he wasn't just any tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. Essentially, he was hired help. And his position of tax collector was higher than that of one of his disciples, one of the apostles called Matthew, who was also a tax collector that Jesus called. So his position was higher than Matthew's. And as the chief, he took a cut or a commission for the taxes collected, and that made him really wealthy. But he was wealthy and despised. After all, they did call him a sinner, and you don't say that to your friends. We also know that he was physically short. We don't know how short. However, the fact is recorded that he was, so we can assume he was quite short. And I used to know someone, I'm not going to name them because some people here know him, but he was very short. And he was kind of known for being short. People just recognised and realised that he was short. Now, people were never rude to him, but, you know, people knew he was small. So we have to assume that Zacchaeus here was short. And we know that people can be cruel when we have a physical difference and life can be hard. As a child, I had eczema. I had it quite badly and I was bullied. And I, when I think about it, I think, 
My word, you know, dealing with the eczema was bad enough, but being bullied for it as well, just why? Why do, why do children do that? I was avoided, and country dancing was just the worst moment of the week. Because in country dancing, everyone was paired up with someone, and you had to hold hands. Now, I'm not asking for sympathy, but no one wanted to hold my hand. They were literally sort of stepping back in revulsion. Oh, swimming, don't go there. <laughs> Zed Zacchaeus was ridiculed, I suspect, for being short. Physical differences can set us apart. So I think we can assume that his wealth, his status and his stature made him very unpopular and possibly quite lonely. We don't know that, it's not in the, in the scripture, but we can make some assumptions. Certainly, it was somebody that people didn't want to associate with. <coughs> when Jesus said he wanted to go to his home, people grumbled that Jesus was going to spend time with him. So there are two themes here I want to look at this morning. We have a sinner who was seeking Jesus. And we have a saviour who was seeking a sinner. Zacchaeus was seeking an encounter with Jesus. And as we will see, Jesus was seeking an encounter with him. And after Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, his life would never be the same again. And I wonder how many of us in this room today can say, after encountering Jesus, our life was never the same again. So in verse 3, let's pick up the story. He, Zacchaeus, it says, wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short and could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. I love that line. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Somehow, despite all we already know about him, there is something about that statement that makes Zacchaeus go up in my estimations. He wanted to see Jesus. Now I'd love to know why. Why did Zacchaeus want to see Jesus? Again, there's no, um, there's no words in the Bible to tell. So some idle curiosity here. Maybe he'd heard about him and he wanted to see for himself. Maybe, like the crowds at Buckingham Palace, he just wanted to say he'd been there. He had seen Jesus in the flesh. Maybe he was going to form his own opinion based on what he looked like. Oh, if I see him and he looks like this, maybe my opinion will change about him. How guilty are we, maybe, of doing that too? Or maybe, again, he had made a deal with God. If he sees me then... Now again, we don't know any of that, we have no idea, but something compelled him to go and see Jesus. Or maybe there was something far more eternal or divine going on here. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in the human heart. I've once heard it described, and I can echo these feelings, that born inside each of us is a hole. And we try filling that hole up with all sorts of things, but actually that hole is a God-shaped hole. And that hole is only truly filled when God comes and takes his place. One commentator puts it like this. God has placed in the soul of every human being a desire to connect to the Creator. Some fight it, ignore it and deny it, but the scripture is clear. Human beings are spiritual beings and no amount of worldly success or possessions can satisfy the deepest longing of the soul to know God. Clearly, something was tugging at Zacchaeus' heart, and he was determined to not let anything stand in his way. Now, maybe today God is tugging at your heart, maybe to know him for the first time, or to know him better. What else do we know about Zacchaeus? Well, he was resourceful if he wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus faced two obstacles in achieving his goal, his short stature and the crowd. Both combined to block his view. He overcomes this, we read, by running ahead. Now he ran ahead because clearly he knew he was going to have to find the tree, climb the tree and do that before Jesus got there. So he was clearly quite resourceful in that. He'd thought it through. I don't imagine that he made climbing trees a regular pastime. But he was prepared to look foolish and to risk falling just so he could see Jesus. This made me think, do Zacchaeus' actions mirror my own desires to see Jesus? Am I prepared to look foolish and risk it all to see him? A curious observation I read here in one commentary. We might assume that those people who are very enthusiastic for Jesus pressed in at the front of the crowd. So those are the really excited people, they know Jesus, they're pushed in right at the front. But in doing so, they're blocking the very person of Jesus who people needed to see. I wonder if sometimes we block people's view of Jesus without even realising it. So the scene is set, Zacchaeus is ready, he's picked his tree, he's climbed it, he's perched and he's ready to see. The seeking sinner is in position and waiting. So what happens next? Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. The seeking sinner is met by the seeking saviour. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. I wonder if Jesus had spotted him in advance. I wonder if he, as he was coming on the road, could see Jesus hanging in the tree. Or is he literally at that moment, he needs to look up, prompted maybe by the Holy Spirit. Again, we don't know from what the scriptures tell us. 
But whatever it was, Jesus knew this was the moment that he was looking for. He looks up and calls Zacchaeus by his name. By his name. Out of all of the crowd, out of all of those people. I am surprised at that Zacchaeus didn't fall out of the tree. But why should we be surprised? God knows every name that's ever been given. Isaiah 43 verse 1, I have called you by name, you are mine. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name and asked him in the question that would earn Jesus the criticism of the crowd. Zacchaeus came down immediately. Zacchaeus came down immediately, Jesus said, I must stay at your house. In this moment, we can see this is not an accidental encounter. This is not a man-made interruption in Jesus' schedule. However, Jesus also has a sense of urgency. This is the moment. I must stay at your house today. So often I'm told God is not in a hurry. I'm a very impatient person waiting for the service today to start. Lisa was saying, I need to find you something to do for the five minutes before the service because you're pacing up and down. I'm impatient. I want to get on. I've been told so many times God is not in a hurry. But there is an interesting verse in Isaiah 55 verse 6 which says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Says to me, he's not always there to be found. Now we know scripturally he's always available to us. But something in this verse says there is a particular moment in our lives, and these moments may happen, but there's particular moments in our lives when Jesus is near and Jesus calls us. And this was the kisses moment. And what do we notice here? That Zacchaeus grabs it. He does not need to be asked twice. How does Zacchaeus respond to this call from Jesus? Verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus calling him is instant and wholehearted. He doesn't need to go on a Bible course, he doesn't need to go on an Alpha course, as much as those things are brilliant, he responded in the here and now. There is no hesitation. It's like Zacchaeus has been waiting for this moment, maybe his whole life. Maybe he had wished for and dreamt about this moment of being set free for a long time. Zacchaeus confesses his crimes, if you like, his sin. He says, if I have cheated, he owns his mistakes. But as a new man, known and restored by God, he pays back more than he cheated. It's like he's making a thank offering for a changed heart. Instead of thinking of his own desires to amass wealth for himself, his love of God 
is shown in his expression of love for others. He is making a true act of repentance. Luke 15, 7 says, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to. I suspect there was a party in heaven that day. So how does Jesus respond? I love his response to Zacchaeus' transformation. And you can imagine him saying it with a wide, broad smile. Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus had found a man who was lost and saved him. A man despised and hated, who the whole world shunned and avoided. In John 14, 7, Jesus says of his mission, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This was Jesus acting out his call. So what can we learn and apply to ourselves today? There are just two things I want to look at. One for us as individuals and one for us as a church. Zacchaeus had two obstacles in his way to meeting God. His own obstacle of his height and the obstacle the world put in front of him, the crowd. I think we can also add to those his lifestyle, his choice of cheating people of their money. Maybe today you want to meet with God either for the first time or just because you want to get closer to him. But maybe you have obstacles in your way, either of your own making or those put on you by other people or the world. But Zacchaeus made a choice. He was not going to let those get in his way. Maybe today you need to repent of something. Maybe you need to forgive someone. I don't know, but I suspect maybe that you do. But I'm only going to say one thing that is in Latin, carpe diem, seize the day. Sometimes we just have to go for it. Sometimes we have to throw caution to the wind. We have to climb that tree to get to God and to go out on a limb for Jesus. And I apologise for the pun. To seek the Lord while he may be found. How does this apply to us as a church? Well, I can be guilty of worrying about the wrong things, about premises, the worship, the seats of all things, the coffee and even the biscuits. I worry or believe that unless I make church as attractive as possible, people won't find Jesus. But the truth I read today is that Jesus is seeking the lost. Zacchaeus found Jesus up a tree. Maybe we need to do church in a forest. As a church, we mustn't become the crowd. We can't block people from seeing the very man who is looking for them. I would love it, this authentic church, that we would always provide a clear 
an authentic way for people to access Jesus and see him for themselves. So in conclusion, we state our purpose at Authentic Church is to continue what Jesus started. That's our purpose, to continue what Jesus started. And Jesus came to seek out and save the lost. Jesus calls us to go and make disciples. We need to ensure we always have an open door policy and a culture that offers a safe space and home for everyone, and especially for those who feel marginalised and feel the world has written them off. We need to ensure we never write anyone off. Zacchaeus had it all, wealth and authority. Maybe <coughs> they thought he was beyond hope. I'm praying for multiple people who in the world's eyes have it all. Success, big homes, smart cars. Why would they need Jesus? But I press in for them. We need to recognise that God has set eternity in the heart of everyone. That he is seeking out people all of the time. Our role is to help people get to him. And my final thought, I googled what a sycamore fig tree looked like. And believe it or not, in modern day Jericho, there is a fig tree railed off. And this sycamore fig tree is apparently the one that Zacchaeus climbed. Now I can't say that that's correct or not. But what I noticed here, and maybe this has changed over time, there aren't many low branches. So being a practical kind of guy, I'm thinking, how did Zacchaeus get up that tree to see? I wonder if he needed to ask someone to give him a leg up. I wonder if he got there being sure he had to say, somebody, please help me get in that tree. Help me climb this tree because I need to see Jesus. Is there someone today who we need to give a leg up to? Is there someone today in our lives that we need to lift them up into the tree so they can see Jesus for themselves? This sinner, this chief tax collector who everybody had avoided, went out on a limb, he climbed a tree just so he could see Jesus. And in doing so, his life was changed. And it would have changed the people that he was around. <laughs>